To listen ad-free and to get a shout-out on the show, you can now upgrade to Koala Shine Plus via the link in the show notes. But before we get started on today's episode, I've got a quick word from our friends and trusted sponsors who help make our free stories possible. I'm James Stewart, and in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, no, I'm late again. I really have to hurry, Lisa thought to herself and ran down the street as fast as she could. In the distance, she recognized the bus stop. The school bus was already there. Onward she ran, but suddenly she heard the sound of the engine. Wait! Lisa shouted desperately, but the bus driver did not notice her and drove on. To hear the rest of this story, come on over to Short Stories for Kids podcast, where you get to be the hero in your own story. Hey Koala Kids, welcome to Koala Shine. I'm Kelly, and today I'll be reading you a daytime story with some very cool facts and ideas that are so cold they'll send you sledding all the way to the Arctic Circle. Ooh, oh, hold on a sec. Ooh, ooh, get off me! Ooh, off. Ah, there we go, that's better. Terribly sorry about that. I had a pesky little snow sprite hanging off my arm. Could you see it? No? Well, sometimes you can't, because they blend in so well with the snow all over this frozen Arctic tundra. You know, according to folklore and legend, there are all kinds of mystical and magical spirits that populate the Earth. Sometimes they spread joy, and other times they spread mischief. There are the English pixies, and the Indian ginny, the duendes from South America, and the Scottish will-o'-the-wisps. Now, lots of people might try and tell you that these sorts of magical creatures aren't real. They're just figments of our imagination. But between you and me, I'm not so sure. How would you explain that one clinging to my arm just a moment ago, hmm? Exactly. And the story I'm about to tell you today simply couldn't have happened without these cheeky snow sprites. The fairy-like creatures who live on the icy tundra all around the North Pole. So, have a listen. And at the end of the episode, you can drop me a message to let me know if you believe in the magic of these wonderful creatures yourself. Okay, have you got your sled and pack of husky dogs ready to go? All right, we'll wrap up warm. Away we go! Once upon a time, a group of snow sprites had built the most magnificent ice sculpture of a young woman. Snow sprites have lots of cool and unexpected skills, and one of them is that they're quite extraordinary sculptors. If this young woman hadn't been frozen solid or completely see-through, you might mistake her for an actual person. She was that realistic. After they'd finished the sculpture, the snow sprites basked in their pride for a few minutes, congratulating each other and patting themselves on the back. But snow sprites are very changeable little creatures, and it didn't take long for some darker emotions to crop up between them. Now that the ice sculpture was complete, 
the Snow Sprites couldn't decide on who would get to keep her. Each of them wanted her for themselves. Their disagreement quickly broke out into open war. When one of the Snow Sprites lay hold of the sculpture and flew off with her, up, up, up into the wintry sky, the others followed in quick pursuit. They flew battling through the air, snatching and pinching and grabbing at the sculpture, until at last she slipped from their grasp and tumbled downwards, hitting the ground and smashing into hundreds of tiny pieces. The snow sprites were all very cross, and they all blamed each other for the fact that now none of them would get to keep the sculpture. Meanwhile, the pieces of ice were carried off by the wind, and wherever they landed, in a rock or a pool or a stream, or embedded in the trunk of a bare and scraggly tree, through some strange and wondrous magic, they slowly began to turn their new home, the rock or the pool or the tree, into ice. Around the same time, a brother and sister lived with their mother on the edge of the tundra. The brother and sister, who were called Kai and Greta, weren't just siblings, they were also the best of friends. After school and on the weekends, they loved to build snowmen together, or throw snowballs, or sit by the log fire reading stories to each other. And each night, as they fell asleep in their twin beds, Greta would call out, Love you, Kai! And Kai would respond, Love you too, Greta! And a warm and cosy feeling would bear them both into a dream-filled sleep. One afternoon, Kai and Greta were ice skating on a frozen lake not far from their house. Both of them were really good skaters. But Kai, because he was older, was a little better. And Greta loved it when he showed off his tricks and taught her how to do them. Backward skating and hops and jumps and pirouettes that left beautiful shapes scored into the surface of the ice. But that afternoon, just as Kai was showing Greta how to skate on one foot, he suddenly pressed his hand to his chest and cried out, Ouch! What's the matter? Greta asked him, skating to his side. I don't know, he said. I felt suddenly freezing cold just here. He gestured to his arm. Like some snow landed on me or something. Oh, it was colder than that, though. In fact, it was the coldest thing I've ever felt. Hmm, he said. How weird. When he got home and looked in the bathroom mirror, Kai noticed a tiny bright blue speck on his arm. He brushed it with a finger. It was as cold as ice. That evening, after they'd finished eating a dinner of warm broth and dumplings with lots of veggies, Greta asked him if he wanted to read a story together. But quite unusually, Kai wasn't in the mood. Oh, I'm just gonna go to bed, he said grumpily, leaving Greta feeling rather sad and bemused. The next morning, Kai noticed that the icy blue patch on his chest had grown. What's more, the tips of his fingers and the tips of his toes were turning blue too, as though they were slowly freezing. But strangely enough, Kai didn't feel worried about this. In fact, he felt nothing at all. Not joy or fear, just nothing. That afternoon, when Greta asked him if he wanted to go skating, he said no. In fact, I don't want to do anything with you, he said, which made Greta feel quite sad indeed. And in bed that night, when Greta called out, Love you, Kai, as she always did, there was no reply. 
A small tear leaked from the corner of Greta's eye, but she brushed it away quickly. It was very unlike her brother to be so mean, for they had always loved each other so much. Something must be wrong. When Kai had fallen asleep, Greta crept quietly out of her bed and tiptoed over to him and looked at him sleeping in bed. Just then, the moon appeared from behind a cloud. In the sudden flash of silver light, Greta saw Kai's hand, which lay on top of the covers. It looked as though it had turned to ice. Confused and not a little bit frightened, Greta returned to her own bed and tried her best to fall asleep. The next morning when she awoke, Kai was gone. He wasn't in his bed. He wasn't in the kitchen. He wasn't in his treehouse or down by the frozen lake. Greta and her mother looked everywhere for him, but they couldn't find him at all. Oh no, their mother worried, holding her head in her hands. Where on earth could he be? Greta remembered the strange happenings of the day before. Kai's sudden coldness and his bright blue hand. There was something terribly fishy going on, that much she knew for sure. So Greta pulled on her snow boots, a warm hat and gloves, and her big padded coat, and asked her mother if she could go out looking for Kai. I'll be back by nightfall, she promised. You don't need to worry about me. Out Greta went, trudging through the tundra, calling out for Kai. She looked everywhere she could think of, in the craggy rock outcrop, at the edge of the pine forest, under logs and bushes and high up in the trees. She called and called his name, and only after calling him for some time did she wonder whether he could hear her, and simply wouldn't respond. But she pushed this thought away and carried on searching. Then, on a flat and snowy plain, Greta saw a peculiar sight. A big white ball on the tundra jumped up high in the air and then dove back down. At first, she thought it was just a pile of animated snow. But when she looked closer, she saw it was a brilliant white arctic fox. It blended in so well with the snow. Greta watched as the fox sniffed the ground. Then stepping back, he jumped high, high, high up in the air and plummeted downward, burying itself half in the snow. Hello, Greta said, approaching the fox. Can I ask what you're doing there? The fox looked up at her, mildly startled. Now that she was a bit closer, she could see that he was wearing a pair of spectacles and carried on his back a rather full-looking satchel. Oh, hello, said the fox, twitching his nose. What does it look like I'm doing? I'm searching. Oh, what a coincidence, said Greta. I'm searching too. The fox didn't say anything to that, so she added, Are you looking for food? No said the fox. Though you are right that this is how I find my food. I have a very strong sense of smell, and I can sniff things out several metres below the snow. <laughs> then what are you looking for? She asked. In answer, the arctic fox opened up his satchel and showed her that it was full of glittering shards of ice. He was searching for these shards, he explained to her which had been spread across the land when some troublesome snow sprites had shattered a sculpture. They had flown off all over the place, turning whatever they touched into ice. He'd even found one caught up in a pony's tail. 
the poor thing's entire hind leg had been turned bright blue. That pony had been in an awful mood, kicking and stomping its feet, because that was the other thing turning to ice did. It took all the warmth right out of your heart. And now I've only got two more pieces left to find, (laughs) the fox concluded, sounding rather satisfied with himself. While listening, Greta's eyes had grown wide. What a coincidence, she cried again. And then she told the fox what had happened to her brother. How something had hurt him on the frozen lake, and how he'd suddenly gone cold-hearted and started turning blue. I wonder whether that's what happened to Kai, Greta said. He was touched by a shard of ice. In which case, she added, it's probably best that we continue our search together. The fox agreed, and his eyes twinkled happily with the prospect of having a partner in his hunt, even for a little while. But first, he said, I need to get the piece that's buried right here. With that, the fox dove back into the snow and started scraping at it with his paws until he exposed a neat little ring of very pretty-looking flowers. They'd been protected beneath the snow, a ring of red and yellow flowers, But in the middle of the bunch, there was one that was not red or yellow. It was a pale crystal blue. In fact, it looked like it was made out of ice. There! cried Greta, pointing. The fox nodded, and with a delicate claw, reached out and picked up a shard of ice that was resting on one of the frozen flower's petals. When he removed it, Greta watched with wonder as the blue flower defrosted until it stood bright yellow again amongst its friends. The fox tucked the shard of ice into his bag. Ah, there we go, just one more left to find, he said. I suppose it's best we search for your brother now then. So Greta and the Arctic fox trudged along the tundra, searching for Kai and telling each other stories as they went, until soon enough they had become good friends. Then, by the edge of the pine forest, the fox stopped and sniffed the air. I can smell him, he said. In there! They followed the fox's nose into the pine forest. They wove their way between the slender tree trunks until in a small snowy clearing, they spotted Kai sat on the ground. Oh, Kai! Greta gasped in shock. For it was indeed her brother. But he was awfully changed. His limbs and arms were a glittering translucent blue. Even his face looked as though it was made from glass. Only the very crown of his head remained the same. He looked at Greta, but there was no recognition in his eyes. He didn't know who she was. We have to be quick, the fox said, running towards Kai. He's almost entirely turned to ice. Where did you say the shard landed? On his arm, Greta said. There it was, the tiny speck of ice stuck to the skin of his arm, now completely forged in ice and impossible to remove. Oh no, the fox sighed. That is not good. What do you mean? Greta asked him. He's almost completely frozen, explained the fox. There's no way we can melt him and unstick the shard in time. It slowly dawned on Greta that she might not be able to get her brother back. The ice would move to the top of his head and then he would be frozen forever. This thought made her feel so sad. 
but it also made her fill up with an overwhelming love for him. He was her brother, her best friend. There was no one else she loved more in the world. Greta threw her arms around her frozen brother and held him tightly. And then, though she didn't know it at first, the most miraculous things started to happen. So warm and powerful was Greta's love that it began to melt the shard that was frozen against Kai's arm. As it began to melt, it loosened, and off it slipped onto the forest floor. Greta felt her brother change beneath him. She felt him get warmer, and his skin, which had been as hard as glass, began to soften. She released him, and with a rush of such joy and excitement, she saw that her brother was back to the way he was. Oh, Kai, she cried. You're back. Yes, Greta, he said, giving her a big brotherly hug. I'm back. Thank you for saving me. But I didn't save you, she said. Oh, you did, he told her, smiling into her eyes. With your love, you're the best sister in the whole wide world. Behind them, the Arctic fox cleared his throat to try to get their attention. Greta and Kai turned around and truly could not believe their eyes. The final shard had been added to the pile and then, as though levitated by a magical beam, all the shards had risen into the air. They watched as they fitted themselves back together until they had formed a perfect ice sculpture of a young woman. Greta reached out and touched her hair and the ice sculpture moved, shook her hair and turned into a real person. Hello, she said. I am the Ice Princess, but you can call me Marta. She placed her hand into Greta's palm. Her hand was surprisingly warm for a girl who had recently been made out of ice. Thank you so much for saving me, she said. And all together, the four of them, Greta and Kai and Marta and the Arctic Fox, travelled back home across the tundra. And just as Greta had promised her mother, they were home before nightfall, and they all enjoyed a delicious and warming meal. Over time, Marta has become part of Greta and Kai's little family. <laughs> like a big sister, in fact. And the Arctic fox likes nothing more than curling up by the fireside with them after he comes back from a long day of hunting for food. In the afternoons, they all go ice skating on the frozen lake and laugh together as they remember the day the shard of magical ice had fallen against Kai's skin. <laughs> what a scary day that was, Greta often says. But it was okay in the end, because it made our family even bigger and even better. And that's where I think we'll leave them today, skating on the ice together. What do you think then? Do you believe in magic now? Let me know. I think I do now. Doesn't it just make the world a more beautiful and interesting place? <laughs> That's it for today, Koala Kids. And until next time, keep on shining! Koala Shine!